They come from the bush, they come from the city To belt the blues just for fun From a man as a pub to a bar in the valley For King Wally and Artie once run This is Origin, and please, the game we love And we go back to where it all got started Two boys on the Caxton Street Hill Heroes and we love them all still. The stories of footy are here for everyone. Welcome back to Origin of the Series and welcome back, Jeff. Thank you, Stephen. Lovely to be here on a uh, one of our special episodes this week. We've got a very special guest. Um mm. We sure do. We're uh, we're very, very fortunate and or, or lucky. I'm not sure. Maybe both. Um, but we've been um, we've been uh, very fortunate to get a, a, a series of uh, great guests, and today is just another one of them. That's right. So let's just let's just dive straight into it, shall we? Let's do that. I'm not sure if he's um, tired of hearing. Um, he's his accolades, but um, today we're lucky enough to have um, as a special guest Brett Kenny on the on the Origin of the series. Now we all know we all know Brett is a legend of Origin, um, four time Premiership winner with two hundred and sixty five games for Parramatta, nineteen NRL finals, seventeen State of Origin matches, thirteen um, thirteen Tests. Um, uh, he's, he kept Wally Lewis out of the test side. He's kept Mel Meninga out of the test side. He was uh, Clive Churchill medalist, 82 and 83. Golden Boot, 1985. NRL Hall of Fame, 2008. New South Wales RL uh, Rugby League Hall of Fame in 2021. Um, talk about being a, uh, a possible immortal. Um, yeah, Brett, what, what he hasn't done. I mean, are, are there, I'm guessing there are, there are Parks named after you. Stand, stand at um, Parramatta's. Um... Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah, uh, myself, Peter Sterling, uh, Mick Cronin, and Ken yeah. Thornett all had grandstands named after us. So it was a, a great honour to be able to to receive that. But um, yeah, look, I, I was happy with what I was able to achieve in the game. A lot of people. Have said, um, you know, that I, at a young age, and and um, I was yeah, twenty six for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, yeah, I was. The whole thing was, I, I mean, I often, you often see things on, oh, I'm on Facebook, and you read things, and people go, oh, yeah, you didn't do this, didn't, and I thought, if only you knew the information, the correct information. You know, a lot of people think they know what why I did this or why I did that, and they, they really don't have much of an idea. But the the fact was that. You know, in, in 1987, my first son was born and and we started a family and, and I was fortunate enough to be able to have gone on two kangaroo tours, both undefeated, played uh, state of origin games and, and, and test match football, played against every rugby league playing nation there was at the time. Um, so as far as the representative side of the game was concerned, I thought, well, I'd, I'd actually achieved everything I, I was wanting to do and... If I kept playing, all I was doing was just repeating everything over and over again. And and you did spend a lot of time away from home and also from work. I think a lot of people got to realise we used to work when we were playing. So 
I went through that many different jobs because people couldn't keep me on because of the amount of time I'd have to have off for rugby league. Well, you, um, your image, you, you, as you and Molly, as your images on the State of Origin trophy there for a long time. I mean, that's that sums that sums up your standing in the game. And as as Queenslanders, we all you know, we'll we all know, um, we will have a place in our hearts for Wally. But you are the New South Wales version of Wally, as far as as far as I can see. So, I mean, what more what more could you achieve? I guess so. Um, yeah. It was it was a, a big honour, you know, to know that you're actually your melon's actually on the trophy of the <laughs> state of origin, you know. Um, and I, I think they took I think the big league magazine, which was out at the time, had a photo of Wally and I having an arm wrestle. And I've got to say, when we were doing that, it took us probably three or four hours to get it right because I couldn't help myself. I started laughing every time we started doing arm wrestle. It just we we had a great time. Great time doing it. It was a lot of fun, and and they decided to use that to um, put a copper piece on the on the shield. And um, as I said, yeah, it was a great honour to be able to to know you got your melon sitting there on the on the state of origin shield. And you and uh, you and Wally were were uh, got on pretty well, didn't you, Brett? You were you were good friends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as we were talking earlier, you know about. You don't get to know guys, or you know, when when you do get to know them, things are a lot different on the football field. And and you know, Wally and I did a lot of promotional work for Origin, and we got to know each other. Went away on the Kangaroo tour in '82, and and yeah, so we 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 become good mates, and um, always enjoyed each other's company. I remember after just about after every Origin game in Brisbane, I would go into the New South Wales dressing room. Win or lose, I would then go back into the Queensland dressing room and have a beer with the boys, you know, and mm. that was the way it was then. That's what we mm. used to do. Yeah, well, let, let's uh, – I'm sure we were going to get to this later, but let's tackle the elephant in the room uh, first. This Because we're a couple of Queenslanders talking to a legendary New South Welshman, this – was Wally Lewis or Brett Kenny the better player thing? This this is the the subject that bores me to death. I I don't need to know the answer to the question. They're both absolute greats of the game, and I don't understand why we have to decide which was the better player. How how, how do you see that? Well, I'd say I was a better player, but <laughs> look, I, I just think you know it's, it's it's one of those things. I've always said you know I I feel very honoured to be. You know, mentioned in the same breath as Wally, um, was a guy playing that was playing when Wally and I played by the name of Terry Lamb, who mm. who was one of the great five eights of our time, and and I was lucky enough to get a bit of a jump on him, so I was selected in front of him. But um, you know, Wally's always been a great player, and 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 um, look, I, I I guess it depends on what side of the border you come from as to who they're going to say was the better five eight. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about origin and, and the fact that when I played 5-8, we won more games and we lost against Queensland. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a nice stat to have, but the reality is it wasn't just me against Wally. It was another 12 players on both sides. I think they played a part in, in helping, especially New South Wales, I think they played a part in helping us win. It wasn't just me. So, But, yeah, look, you know, it, it, it doesn't bother me. As I said, it, it, it's nice to at least be mentioned in, in the same breath. And, um, you know, I enjoyed playing against Wally. As I said, you know, we've become good mates and, 
and um, we had a great time off the field. And I think a lot of people in New South Wales have always said, you know, he, he used to get booed every time he went out on the field and um, for Queensland. But also the thing that I was a bit upset with was people would boo him when he was captain of the Australian team and he mm. went out onto the right. cricket ground. And thought, you know, that's not right. He He's representing his country and he deserved to be in the position he was in. And and But in saying that, I, I also believe when it comes to origin that the New South Wales people, when they were booing him when he came out, I think that was in a lot of ways um, it was a, a sign that they're saying they believe he is, is one of the great players of the game and it's unfortunate that he's not playing for New South Wales. Yeah. And that's what they were booing him for. They... It was a sign of, in a lot of ways, a backhanded sign of respect to say, we know how great a player you are. We're just dirty that you're not playing with us. <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you yeah. What do you think of of Origin these days, Brett? And particularly this talk that um, New South Wales don't get it or don't have the heart or all those all those things that that people say that Queensland has has some moral superiority when it comes to the Origin. Yeah, look, that was going on for, for, for years. And, and, and look, every team I played in for New South Wales, there was not one player that wanted to win an Origin Series or, and, and, you know, win the game that we were playing that night. There was no thing, you know, everyone said, oh, we didn't understand Origin. We knew what Origin was about. It's a game of rugby league against another team. We had to play better than they did. That's what we had to do. And, and unfortunately, we, we didn't do that at times. Um but there was never ever a, a situation where guys from New South Wales didn't have as much heart or want to play as much as a Queensland player wants to play for his state. And uh, all the guys I played with were all the same. You know, we we went out there to win a game. We didn't go out there to lose a game, and <clears throat> we knew what was at stake. We also knew that you know, in a lot of ways, we could become heroes by winning the very first New South Wales Origin series. Um, so that was always in our mind, you know, and we were fortunate enough to do that in 1985. But, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I believe it was a media thing, a media beat up. I think they they got hold of it and decided to say every time Queensland won, they wanted it more than what New South Wales did. They didn't seem to mention the fact that when we won it in 1985, the geez, I think the New South Wales players had more passion than Queensland and wanted to win it more than Queensland. I yeah, think that's what yeah. I mean. just a, I think it was just a media thing. The reaction in '85, particularly with um, Steve Mortimer, and you know when the final siren went, like that was just pure pure joy. I mean, and guys like that did typify that. But you, you're right. It, it turns well from the Queensland point of view. We didn't tend to see as much of that. It was like we grew up in the era when, you know, pre-Origin too, particularly like no one booed anybody running out for Queensland because they nobody, don't no New South Wales people really paid that much attention or or took it a Queensland side as, as, as a threat. So we, we weren't used to seeing New South Wales players um, being having to really fight, I guess. And um, so when we're seeing that, when we're seeing that, it's kind of, um, it's, it's, it's all foreign to us to a, to a point. Yeah, look, you know, I, I can understand it and, and we've heard it, you know, before where there was, you know, before Origin, it was a, a just a... Um, a state game and you had Queenslanders playing wearing a sky blue jersey and running out against Queensland players and um 
And I, and as as we all know, when when it first started, Origin, everyone didn't give it a big rap, thought it wasn't going to be successful, and it's been one of the most successful games we've ever had, um, state of origin. And 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 I, I think in a lot of ways, because we used to win the games so comfortably pre pre um state of origin, and I think New South Wales people and 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 look, in some ways, some of the players may have felt, well, it's just a case of going out there, we'll win it again. But all of a sudden, you know, we, we had to realise that Queenslanders now were in a situation where they got what they wanted. They they wanted their Queensland-born players back in their state, representing their state, and that was happening. So they were very passionate about winning it. And I think New South Wales in the early years probably weren't as passionate and probably thought, you know, well, it's just a case of running out there and we'll win again. And then it probably took us a couple of years before we mm. realised that this is not going to happen like this anymore and we need to start preparing ourselves. And, like, for example, I, I think Queensland used to have a week off before the game. Yeah. Mm. New South Wales, we had we played every weekend and then the games were played on a Wednesday night, uh, sorry, on a Tuesday, Tuesday. night. Yeah. Tuesday night. So we used to play on the weekend before that game. So you'd go into camp for New South Wales and then you'd come out the following weekend, play for me, for example, would play for Parramatta then have another medical on the Monday just in case I got hurt. Then we'd have some changes made on the Monday and back up and play Tuesday. Queensland had the week off. So it took us a while to learn from Queensland what to do when it came to Origin Rugby League. And and I think that sort of showed in 1985 when we finally won a series. We we did exactly that. We had the week off. We didn't play the weekend before and, and we were able to go on and win the series. Yeah, it was, um, we, we always took it very seriously, even pre-Origin, um, because that was, um, that was our chance to shine, I guess, because... Um, for you know, from from what I've, what I've read, in you know, pre-Origin, the the state games were just a um, just a, a trial for the main event, which was getting the Australian Australian jersey. So it wasn't, you know, and as we know, we saw the numbers in the late, you know, like seventy nine was it a game at Belmain at Leichhardt Oval between New South Wales and Queensland that they, they didn't even get two thousand people. So it was it was something had to be done. So. That that was actually the the game before the first Origin. That was the yeah. the second game in the nineteen eighty series. Right. There was fifteen hundred people in uh, at Leichhardt. Yeah, but I mean, look, I mean, that was the thing with with Origin back then. It's compared to what it's like now. But back then, as you say, Origin was a trial selection for the Australian team. Mm. So when you consider that, there's a lot at stake for every player. So when you're going out there, it's not a, not just a case of wanting to win, win the game and 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 hopefully go on and win the series. It was also an opportunity, as you wanted to show the Australian selectors that you're worthy of playing for your country. And that was the yeah, other I, thing about Origin back then. Nowadays, you, I look at it nowadays. I, I just get so frustrated with the fact that we've got these guys playing for New South Wales, and then. Well, what happened last year, we had guys playing for New South Wales and then we had a World Cup and they were playing for Samoa and Tonga. Mm. Mm. And you say, yeah. well, hang on, we've got a guy now playing for Australia in a, in, a, in a certain position, but 
when you look at it, you say, well, he wasn't good enough to represent New South Wales. How come he's playing for Australia? And that's where I think it's ridiculous. We need to go back to the way it was. And you need to be – you go through. Like even when you're playing grade rugby league, you start off in the under-20s or under-23s or under-21s, whatever it may be. You work your way to reserve grade. You work your way to first grade. A state, a certain state, and then not re- not represent the country that that state's in, and go yep. and represent someone else. To me, that's not right. That's wrong. I I, I don't think that's right either, Brett. I've never actually understood that. Um, that uh, in in fact, um, back in the day, you know, pre-origin, uh, interstate was just about um, uh. uh Australian selection. It was just about... And which uh, Queenslander would get in the Australian side. That's right, which token <laughs> Queenslander would uh, would get a jersey. Yeah. Um, and uh, I didn't understand it when we started picking guys for uh, the state sides that weren't going to be eligible, that we knew weren't going to be eligible to play for Australia because it, it uh, no origin stands up there on its own, but it is still about uh, Australian Rugby League, as far as I'm concerned anyway. Well, that's right, and I agree with that. And, and and but I mean, we've seen over the years where we've had guys that have represented Queensland or New South Wales, represented Australia, and represented New Zealand. Yeah. Mm. And mm. you think, well, why is that? And and here we are now, trying to promote the game in America by taking a, ga- a couple of games over to Las Vegas and. You're saying, well, if anyone was out here in Australia that that come from a country that knew nothing about rugby league, and you tried to explain it, and they're looking at it saying, well, this guy played for this state, and you're telling me that the guys that play in this game get selected to play for your country, but then we see those guys that played in origin aren't playing for your country, they're playing for another. I mean, how do you explain that to people? You you could. I just think we've got to have a good long look at this sort of situation, and I know people have said, oh, we need the best players playing Origin. But it doesn't. Why? Why do we need the best players? They will be good players anyway. That's right. We're not short of good players. Yeah, there's been plenty of great players that have missed out on playing Origin because there was someone else that may have been playing better at the time, so they got a start. A a good example, as I mentioned earlier, myself and Terry Lamb. I got selected to play 5-8. Terry Lamb was on the bench. I got to jump on him and then we'd win games. So, you know, and I was fortunate enough to play well enough to keep my position. But we had guys that could do the job. It wasn't a case of, well, if I didn't play, we wouldn't have anyone to take my place. We had a bloke, Terry Lamb, was there to fill in, would do just as good a job. Yeah, that's right. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's, I personally find it hard to, even with coaches, when you've got Australians like, Wayne Bennett coaching England and things like that, you go, it's slightly different, but I just still feel, you know, it's, it just doesn't feel right. I mean, um, it's slightly different, I guess, getting a, a um, experienced English-Australian coach to coach a developing team, that's a different story. But, I mean, to have an Australian coach coaching England, just it just seems to defeat the whole purpose of country versus country. Um yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that, Steve? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, look, yeah, I, I look. I, I understand. I, I sort of laugh a bit at this World Cup situation, and um, I know you know over the years. I look. I, I know uh, rugby in Australia is probably not at its best at the moment, but you know, we were competing against rugby union when it comes to World Cups. I mean, there's 
that many more countries <clears throat> playing rugby union than we have playing rugby league. So their World Cup is going to be a lot bigger than ours. And my belief is if they were so serious about having a World Cup and including all these various countries, why not put money into those countries instead of picking players from the Super League competition or from the NRL competition or from a second division competition and putting those players in a team representing a country some of them have never even lived in or Mm, have never been born in, but they're doing it to try and get the teams together to make make us have a bigger competition. But the reality is you're not improving the game in those countries. That, you just keep uh, abs- picking players absolutely out, of, right. out of Super League and, and, and NRL to represent those countries, but we haven't. We don't see the game developing in those countries. Yeah, completely agree, Brett. The, the idea of building um, uh, building leagues from the top down just doesn't work. It's never worked. You have to build it from the ground up. You have to get kids playing the game. And once you've got kids playing the game and, and coming up through the years, then you can bring players, uh, bring events over to them. You can bring your your um, your internationals over and and you know have these sort of uh, spectacles. But unless they're playing, it doesn't make any difference. And I I still have a big issue. I'm I'm about to go off on one here, so sorry in advance. I have a big issue with these um, Las Vegas games. I don't get it. That they're not playing rugby league there, uh, not in any serious way. Rugby Union has been investing millions into developing the game uh, in the States. Uh, if, if you mention the word rugby or rugby league in, in the States, they are going to think you're talking about rugby union. Uh, league doesn't have any sort of foothold there. I just don't get what they're doing. I, I really don't understand what the, what the objective is. No, look, I've I've heard it's got a lot to do with the gambling. Whether that's Mm. true or not, I don't know. They're Mm. they're looking to try and have more of more Americans betting on rugby league. Um, Mm. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I've also heard and and seen a bit of the ad that they're going to show over there. Um, A a bit of it was old footage where players were getting belted in the head and all that sort of stuff. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. So yeah. I think a lot of the Americans are going to be very disappointed when they finally get to see the game after having watched the commercials. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. that I, I want to come back to that bring back the Biff thing uh, later on because I don't, I don't really understand where we're going with that either. But um, let, let's – I'd be very interested, Brett, in your, your sort of memories of coming into your first uh, Origin camps in – what was it, 82 you debuted for New South Wales? What, what was yeah, what was the I, atmosphere like? Well, I I only played one game in '82. I think it was the third game, and and um, look, it was it was all new for me. I, I you know, I, well, obviously had never played Origin before, and um, had seen the games being played in 1980, and I I just a little bit overwhelmed, you know, being in there and and, and with some of the guys that that I was going to be playing alongside of, even though I started on the bench. I, just to be in the same room as blokes like Steve Rogers and Max Krillich and, um, you know, Mick Cronin was, was there. Uh, you know, like these guys, I had, I had two idols as a kid, Mick Cronin and Steve Rogers, and I was mm. very fortunate enough to play alongside both of them. But I remember a, a story where I said to Steve Rogers at the time, 
and I called him Mr. Rogers because I didn't know him that well, but he said, no, call me Steve. So um, I said to him, you know, I'm I'm on the bench, but if I come on, the odds are they'll either put me on in the wing, centre or even fullback. And I said, there's a guy playing for Queensland by the name of Mal Meninga, and I said, I've never played against him. I've seen him on TV. He looks like a big, big guy. And I said... I'm just wondering if you could give me a couple of tips on how I might be able to stop him if, if he runs towards me. And he, he said, mate, the best tip I can give you is to, he's about five metres away, pick up some shit off the ground, throw it in his face. That might throw him down. <laughs> you know? So, of course, <laughs> it becomes game night and, and I'm sitting on the bench and, and Mal, I think, scored the first try of the game and then he, he set up another one and... Now I get a tap on the shoulder and said, you're on. So they've just scored a try over near the sideline. I've had to walk past Mal as, as he's lined up the kick. And, like, I was I was 82 kilos back oh. then, and I don't know how big Mal was, but I looked at my legs and thought both of my legs together wouldn't match one of his. Hmm. And I've walked him past. We've gone into the in-goal area. Mal's kicked the goal. He's just puffed right up. He was massive. And we're walking back out to the halfway line for the ensuing kickoff. And I remember what Steve Rogers told me. So as I'm walking along, I'm kicking at the ground, and he said, what are you doing? I said, mate, there's not much shit here. <laughs> and he said, mate, believe you me, when he's five metres away from you with a head full of steam, there'll be plenty of shit behind you. Don't worry about that. And I'll tell you what, there was plenty of it. <laughs> and that was my first experience of origin. Uh-huh. Oh dear! Yeah, well, I, I don't think you'd be the the last guy to fig- try and figure out how to bring down uh, Mal and Fullstein. He was uh, he he was some beast, wasn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, and and a great bloke. I was room with him on the '86 Kangaroo Tour, and we had a great time. And and um, as you say, he was he was very he was a strong man. I I, I remember we after training, you'd take it in turns. He was having a shower, and I had the first shower, and I. I've come out and um, I'm starting to get changed. He's gone in for a shower and he's come back out and my bed was alongside the wall. The other side of the wall was the shower. So I stood on the end of my bed and waited for him to walk past and I jumped on his back and started to have a bit of a wrestle with him. And I said, come on, mate, let's see how strong you are. And he kept walking and walked over to his the other side of the room and he's dragged me off his back and he threw me from one yeah. side of the room onto my bed. I hit my bed, bounced into the wall. Need knock myself out, and I got up and said, "Mate, have you had enough?" <laughs> and I thought, "Geez, you know that's how strong he was." Oh, that's yeah. hilarious! <laughs> he used to, yeah, he used to. Um, they're just that natural strength, wasn't it? But it's incredible that that strength, but with that that speed and the um, and uh, the, the the movement he had as well. So, um, yeah, incredible! It's incredible, and that was from a young age too, wasn't it? Like he. He started playing great footy here in um, in Brisbane. He was seventeen, I think, eighteen, um, from the police academy with um, with South. When um, yeah, he was he was seventeen. I remember seeing him um, one of his earlier grade games at uh, at Lang Park when um, Billy J Smith was still referring to him as Malcolm Meninga. That's right. Um, and he was he was playing five eighth uh, back in the day for uh, for Souths. Um, and he, and he always looked like a gifted player, you know, that balanced running and mm. um, and, and and speed. You know, I, I think people forget that for a big bloke, he was pretty quick too, wasn't he? 
Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and as you say, it, it, and and you look at that with his strength and that he was just so hard to try and put down. And you know, people say, "I'll oh, get up on him quick." I said, "Yeah, but you get up on him quick, you you try and well, someone like for me that was like eighty two kilos. I think the heaviest I ever got was eighty six, and you try and say, "Well, I'm up near him. I'll try and take him ball and all." Well, he's pretty hard to try and get yeah. up around mm. the, the shoulders and that. And then if you try and tackle him around the legs when he stands, he just puts his legs apart and you can't get them together. It yep. was, and you think, well, I've got to let him run. But then when you let him run, you think, well, how the hell am I going to get tackle those tree trunks he was running on? Yeah, I think I think the plan there is you need a couple of mates with you to uh, to bring him down. He's, uh, <laughs> he's not a guy to bring down yeah. on your own. Let him run past you and try and tackle him from behind. Ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um. Okay, well, look. Shall we shall we move on to some uh, some footy here? Because um, I'm I'm pretty keen to get your thoughts on this uh, game, Brad. As much as it's painful for for a couple of Queenslanders to to give you the platform to uh, to revel in our our defeat here, um, I think we should um, take the opportunity yep. to to talk some footy. So, Jeff, um, I think you and I need to go through the teams uh, first. So. Who would you like this week? Queensland and New South Wales. Um, I'll go with um, I'll go with Queensland this week. This episode. Okay. Okay. Well, then I'll lead off with New South Wales. So the team for uh, for game one, nineteen eighty six, was friend of the pod Gary Jack at uh, at fullback. Uh, on the wing, this was an interesting one. I'd actually forgotten that uh, that Steve Morris played on the wing in this uh, game. Slippery. had a good game too. He did. He did play well. Uh, the only changes made throughout the entire series were were on the wing. Uh, Steve Morris played the the first game, and then Brian Hetherington and Brian Johnson uh, would play on the on the wing in the other uh, two games, and. On the other wing, Andrew Farrell would play the first two games and Eric Groves would take over for the third game. And that was the only change made, the only changes made to the uh, the team right. throughout the three games. And I, I think, you know, we, we had talked about this in the past, uh, Brett, on this show, that um, New South Wales getting a, a lot of consistency with uh, selection must have been a big um, advantage for for the team to settle into those roles. What, what would you say about that? Yeah, look, I, I think when you look at the, the team we had in 86, I'd say probably 95% of those players were involved in the 85 series. Right. And I think yeah. that was where we started to learn from Queensland. You know, everyone used to say, geez, Queensland, they could lose the first game, wouldn't make any changes. Mm. You know, we, we'd <laughs> right. lose the yeah. first game, we'd make six changes. And I think that was where we started to learn and realise it. And, and yes, look, it is a lot easier when you win a series. We won the series in 85. They're not going to make too many changes to a winning team, but but um, yeah, I think we point. started to realise that we've got to look at that and give these blokes an opportunity rather than make quick decisions and say, well, we got beaten, so we've got to make changes. And, and I think that's why we were successful in 86 was because of the fact that, you know, we – We'd won the series in '85, and we, we majority of those players backed up again in '86. Yeah, no, fair fair point. I think it's it's worth saying that our expectation was 
when um, when Queensland won would be that New South Wales would make a pile of uh, changes. And, and we wouldn't, but then we didn't have 60 other guys that could just drop into an origin team and and do as well. And that's, you know, with, I, I always thought you know, New South Wales just had this colossal bag of uh, players that they could just throw at this thing at any point and, uh, and they'd all be as, you know, pretty much as good as each other. And, and we didn't have that sort of uh, depth. Um, anyway, so... Uh, back to the team. So centres were uh, Michael O'Connor and uh, Chris Mortimer. Uh, on the other wing, as I said, uh, Andrew Farrer. Um, halves, the uh, Parramatta duo of Brett Kennedy and Peter Sterling. Um, not Brett Kennedy. wasn't available. Not, not Brett Kennedy, no. Brett Kenny and Peter <laughs> Sterling. Um, uh, the pack from the back, Wayne Pierce, uh, who's captain, uh, second row of uh, Noel Cleal and Steve Folks. I'd forgotten about Steve Folks getting into the team uh, in '86, um, but boy, he was um, he was a great addition to uh, to stiffen up around the ruck. Um, and I enjoyed watching this game back and just seeing just the sheer amount of work that that man put in um, uh, close to the ball. Front row of um, Steve Roach, Royce Simmons, and Peter Tonks. Um, Royce Simmons, you know, seemed to come pretty much from nowhere to uh, to make this team, and um, you know he would uh, make every post a winner and go on and be uh, Australian hooker for for some time and be a, be a hell of a performer. So, um, and on the bench were uh, Terry Lamb and David Gillespie. Um, geez, what a what a, what a couple of guys to have on your bench. And uh, <laughs> coach coach was Ron Willey. So that's the that's the, the team, boys. yeah. Um, were there any just before we go on to the Queensland team? Were there any shocks in there, Brett? It doesn't look like any shocks to me. But was there anything that surprised you? No, not really. I, I guess as I mentioned earlier, you know, I think you'll find majority of those players played in '85. Yeah. Um, our forward pack was very good. You know, I mean, I always believe. I guess I'm a bit old school, but I always believed your forwards win your big games and. And I think that's what happened um, back in 85 and 86. And oh. uh, you mentioned Steve Fax in, in the second row. And I think they got the second row pairing exactly right. Yeah, the black like yeah. Noel Cleal, who was a good runner of the ball, could offload the football. Steve Fax would run the ball okay, but it was predominantly a defensive back rower. So you got one guy that was doing a lot of the, the tackling. The other guy was saving himself for the, for the attack. Uh, we had yep. two front rowers that were tough front rowers could both use the ball. And Royce Simmons, it was just a tough front, tough hooker, was very good in his position. Very rarely did you see a play the ball where Royce wasn't a dummy half. So yeah. um, he was always there controlling the, that around the ruck. It was a, it and, was a very good side. And he had uh, he had the whole game, didn't he? You know, he could he could run from dummy half, pass well, um, set up the attack well. Uh, defended well. He, d- he didn't seem to have any obvious weaknesses. Yeah, that he was. He was a tough player, and he, he again, yeah. he's another guy that come from the bush, and um, mm. you know they were always tough from the bush. And he, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was that way. He he did whatever he had to do to make a tackle, and and as I said, he very rarely did you see a, a ball getting played where he wasn't the dummy half. Right, he yeah, was always yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, he, he didn't. Um, he didn't steer clear of a of a um, of any trouble either. If there's a bit of a blue one, so um, 
but if he didn't start no. it. <laughs> no, but he, he wasn't. He, he wasn't embarrassed about uh, participating. Uh, no, so anyway, no. there's your there's your New South Wales team, Jeff. Why don't you walk us through the uh, the Queensland team? Well, at fullback, we've got the veteran Cole Scott. He just keeps on turning up and keeps on keeps on playing well, even though he copped a bit of copped a bit of damage in this game. On the wings, sure we did. had um, yeah, yeah, but stayed you know tough, toughed it out. On the wings, um, Dale Shearer is starting to establish himself as a as an Origin player. Um, and Chris Close, they had to find a place for Chris Close on the wing. Um, I'm not, sh- you know, as much as we love Chris Close, and you know, that he, he can he can he can play hooker if he wants, as far as I'm concerned. But I'm just wondering if they um, sacrifice a bit of speed there that could have come in handy at some points in the game. Um, mm. In in you know, we're talking about Tony Curry because Tony Curry's come onto the scene too. Somebody like that, but um, but anyway, so yeah, Chris Chris Close is on the on. On the other wing, in the centres, we've got, you know, the formidable pairing of um, Meninga and Miles. Um, in the halves, Wally, of course, and, and Mark Murray, who've, who've, who've locked that down now for, you know, for quite a while and just just um, just own, own the halves for, for the Maroons. Um, and, and unfortunately, sorry, Jeff, unfortunately, this would be his last series. In fact, this would be his last year of, uh, of playing footy. Um, yeah. Um, because he had that nasty accident during the uh, the off season and uh, and that would be the end of his uh, footy career Shame, great great player great player Mark, mm. Mark, great player. Uh, I, we've talked about this before but underrated what did you what did you um what, what did you think of mark Murray as a, as a as a player and a bloke Brett well he was he was one of those tough halfbacks you know he, he didn't have any of the fancy plays. He, he, I mean, he, he would do the little tip over the top every now and then, but it wasn't a natural thing for him. You could see he was just one of those tough guys that would do the work and, and a great bloke. I was room with him in 82 and, and um, that was the first time I'd met him. And um, Yeah, a wonderful guy and, and a did great footballer. Did you meet him in a wrestle? <laughs> Sorry? Oh, yeah, I could do that. That wasn't a problem. Man. He's a lot smaller than Mal. But... but um, yeah, you know he 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 was a great player. He, you know, we you you talk about playing against the opposition, and, and in my position, I've got Wally Lewis opposite me. But then you look at the bloke inside him and say, well, we can't afford to take our eyes off off Muzzer because or Muppet, as he used to call him, and so because he could do some damage, you know. And so a lot of people might have thought that New South Wales would concentrate on Wally Lewis, but we knew we had to concentrate on not just on Wally, but also on Mark Murray, um, yeah, yeah, great, yeah, great player. Um, the the forwards it always it always um, uh, worried me. The back row of Queensland was such an engine room, and you know Bob Linder's coming on the scene, great player, and he'd become a, a, a great player for years. Gavin Jones, um, the big, geez, I forgot how big he was. Gavin Jones, mm-hmm. he was playing in North Sydney by this stage. He come from East in Brisbane uh, with yep. Brian Niebling, but uh, to that, that back row when it was a combination of either Niebling, Vaughton, Fullerton Smith, we had Niebling in there, but I just feel like they, they hunted as such a as such a pack and I just think that was that I felt like through this game that was lacking lacking a little bit. And um though Gavin Jones had a had a ripper of a game, I thought. Um caused caused a lot of trouble. Um so yeah, Linda Jones and Niebling, so new second row combination. Same old solid front row, Brown, Kineskew and Greg Dowling. Um, and reserves Peter Jackson, great the late great Peter Jackson, um, and Ian French. 
the second row from Winner Manly, who had a who had a, who had a good um, good game. Was it last was it game three last in eighty five? Game, game three in eighty five. Yeah, yeah. So that were the, that were the teams. Um, now this would turn out to be a cracker of a game, um, and what I right from the right from the start, what I noticed was um, Wayne Pierce was really animated in the pre pre game setup. He was I'd never seen him that. He just didn't it, seem to me to be a naturally um, vibed up kind of guy. Is that right, Brett? He just seemed to really be amping amping things up and getting the team pumped. Yeah, look, he, I think there was a a big difference between the captaincy of Wayne Pearce and the captaincy of Steve Mortimer. Steve Mortimer was very a very emotional captain. Um, he used to hate it when he, he would stop. Stop the bus before we got to the cricket ground, or before you know, we'd always have to stop out in front of the Caxton Hotel in Brisbane. Um, and he'd get up and have a chat, and I'd be sitting in the back of the bus laughing. I couldn't, I just, I just found it funny the way he used to react. And he was such an emotional person. And he, he always said to me after the game, he said, Bert, I could hear you laughing when I was talking. I said, Mate, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, I wasn't trying to be offensive, but it was just the way you. You react. I said, I'm just one of just sitting here. I'm quite happy to do that. But um, he was very emotional. And, and and as you mentioned earlier, you know, the fact that after that game in Sydney in 1985, how he sort of was down on the ground and, and that, that meant so much to him. And um, But then on the other hand, Wayne Pearce was, wasn't as emotional but um, very straightforward with what he said and was one of those captains that would lead by example. No, he would lead the charge. And Absolutely. He, yeah. and he, certainly, he certainly did in this game. And um, I did notice all through the game, he just felt to me like he's a little bit more animated than he had been previously. I guess he's finding his, finding his feet. And um, and obviously, you know, being captain, um, you know, made a, made a big difference. But that was something I really noticed is um, was really getting getting the guys guys pumped up. Um, he, he, he was. Just before you kick off the game, Jeff, um, and I'll, I'll promise you I'll shut up in a second, um, big crowd at Lang Park, uh, thirty-three thousand. What was it exactly? Thirty-three thousand and sixty-six, and it was the first um, sellout for a while. And it was, um, uh, and you and I were at that game. We were behind the uh, the goals at the Caxton Street end, um, and uh, yeah, it was absolutely packed in the um, yeah on the, on the hill there. Uh, absolutely no chance of getting to the uh, to the uh, toilets. So just stand there and suck it in, lads. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> could we get? Um, could we get beers? How was that? I yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we were we were there. We took turns getting beers. Uh, I think we had my brother with us uh, on that game, and uh, he was kind enough to uh, go and uh, fetch and carry for us. Um, yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, but it, it, I, I distinctly remember, you know, some of the games sort of morph into the the other games. You don't remember them so well, but this one was packed, and um, I remember the uh, the the loud boos as uh, Kevin Roberts ran out onto the field. Yeah, um, yeah. Who ended up, you know, look watching this game back. Uh, I think it'd be fair to say Queensland got the better of the um, any any close calls. We tended to get the better of. Um, from uh, from the ref, 
yeah. much Jack, to Jack the Gibson much enjoyed that. That's right. I was going to say much <laughs> to the disgust of Jack Gibson. <laughs> Jesus, did he get stuck into <laughs> Kevin Roberts? <laughs> he was. He was. Although Jack Gibson did the um, d- did everyone the uh, the the service at the start of the coverage. He said that he um, he made some reference to he wasn't even going to try and be uh, impartial and he was there largely as a New South Welshman and uh, and he was and he was. good for him yeah um, so anyway that was the that was the scene that day so and the conditions were pretty good um, Lang Park looked a little bit uh, brown but certainly a lot better than uh, it had been in uh, in previous years and um, yeah no no rain great uh, Great conditions. So, with that, I will hand over to you guys. I'm interested to hear the um, the run through the game. Thank you. I forgot to mention that the Queensland coach was um, that Wayne Bennett bloke who went on to coach yeah, <laughs> a, bit, a bit down the track. So, yeah. yeah. So Wayne Bennett was um, was um, was coaching the Maroons. Um, this was a um, the first half. I reckon it was a, it was a game of first half was like the, a game of two quarters. Um, it was a it was a, a ferocious a ferocious start, but um, it lacked that real blatant biff that we were used to seeing. Just basically, just swinging arms and just it was just um, it felt like it was a little bit more disciplined. But I tell you, the defence was was um, was ferocious. I know Brett, you you copped an early big hit from from Mal. I don't know if you remember that, um, but yeah, there were some there were some really really big hits. Um, Gavin Jones in particular was. Um, was was um having a was having a big game early on um but it was um yeah it was just a usual tight start but it felt to me a little bit more disciplined i don't know if that was something that was part of the game plan Brett? oh look i i've i've heard you know i used to um i'd get changed and in the dressing room you'd be you'd see all the forwards up in the corner and i thought oh I go up and sit down, have a listen to the conversation. It'd be a great conversation this between these blokes. And I got up there, made out I was doing my boots up, and they were talking about what was going to happen in the first scrum. Right. So, you know, it was all. When I say organised, I don't think anyone knew who was going to hit who or who was going to throw the first punch. But I think they realised Queensland were going to do it. If we don't get in first, they'll get in first. You know, and and I remember. Um, coming out and, and we were playing and the first scrum packed down and I looked at Wally and Wally's looked at me and he's gone like that with his head towards the scrum and I've gone, yeah. And I thought, <laughs> well, they've done the same thing. They've talked about it. So next thing, Queensland fed the scrum. Wally gets a ball. I go up, make the tackle. We, he gets up. He puts the ball down. He said, come on, let's go and get them, break them up. So off we go. <laughs> but that was the way it was then. And, I mean, the yeah. crowd loved it. They they. You talk to people nowadays and they say, you know what, you didn't want to miss the first five minutes of an Origin game, you know, because you'd miss the best part. It was a fight and everything. And as they said, but then that was it. You might have had the occasional swing and arm later on in the game or whatever, or one, one or two guys getting into a bit, another bit of a blue. But once that initial fight was over in the scrum, that was settled down and play rugby league. And, and that was the thing. And the thing I liked about... I, I loved playing at Lang Park, you know. It was great. I, I enjoyed playing at the cricket ground, obviously home ground. But Lang Park, it was just something special. You, you know, they, everyone hated you. 
I remember you'd get off the bus and you'd have to walk across the footpath to go into the through the gate to get into the dressing rooms and people would be abusing the hell out of you. I, I, I couldn't repeat some of the things they said I was, but <laughs> two weeks later you're walking off the same bus with a, an Australian bag in your hand representing your country and they're saying the same people say, hey, Brett, how you going, mate? You're a good player. You're one of the best <laughs> in the world. You know. <laughs> I used to love that. I thought, you know, but that was the passion that people had for the yeah, game then. And, and, yeah. Um, yeah it, nowadays, obviously, the rules don't help. It, it, you know, players aren't allowed to do what our guys could do. They, you look at push and shove now, no punches. I just, I, I believe if they were allowed to throw punches, half this shit wouldn't go on in the game because if the little guys are pushing the big blacks around, knowing that they can't get hit. Yeah, and fires yeah. and fires. It's 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 kind of. Um... It's it's just teasing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, and I know. Look, I, I can. I, well, no, I can't appreciate it. I, I look at it, and I, and I think Gordon Tallis mentioned it as well. And he said, at the heat of the moment when in, in the game, he said, "I'm not thinking about someone's, some parent's child that's watching." Right. Mm, and yeah. they're exactly right. That's what they've got to realise. My argument is. When they, I, I'm trying to think of the guy who was the CEO of the ARL, I think it was then, or it could have been NRL. He brought in the rule that you can't throw punches anymore. And I know he got interviewed a few years after he left that role, and he said that was the worst decision he ever made. But, you know, they've got to understand, they keep, everyone keeps saying, oh, yeah, but you've got young kids watching these guys do that. And I said, but well, they've got parents. So why are you taking the responsibility off the parents? And throwing it onto the players, the thirteen players or twenty-six players that are out there on the field, and you're saying you're responsible for these kids that are watching the game. You don't even know who the kids are. Mm-hmm. And I said that's not right. You should be allowed to do what they're doing, what we used to do. That was the way the game was then, and it's just in the heat of the moment, guys do things. After the game, the blokes shake hands, go into the dressing rooms, have a beer together. No one sees that, but that's what happens. And then we get yep. people going, oh, yes, but it's you got kids. Yes, I know kids are going to watch it, but it's their parents and the coaches of those kids are the ones that should be laying the law down to those kids and saying, I know what you saw on the TV, but they're adults, they're men. Mm. Your kids, if you do that on the football field here, I'm going to take you off. And these guys, and these guys are getting paid, and it's and it's a professional level. It's another, it's another, it's another, um, it's another thing altogether. Um, so yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. It's sort of um, it feels it does feel a little bit unnatural, doesn't it? When you go, they can do they can run and you can you can do all sorts of things, but it's it just that heat of the moment stuff, which is sort of it sort of kills the human theatre and drama a little bit because you know what they want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look yeah. at when, um, look, look at, look at this game look, in particular. Of all everyone games, everyone loved that. Uh, That's uh, what Origin was all about. And then I think it was a few years ago they were trying to say, oh, you know. Um, we're going to let you can get away with a lot more in Origin now than what you could, what you can in a, in a Premiership game. And I thought you've always been allowed to get away with what a bit more in an Origin game than you can in a Premiership game. But the thing is, they shouldn't. It shouldn't be like that. If you're going to be able to do it in Origin, you should be able to do it in a Premiership game. Yeah, whatever mm. it is, you know. And I, as I said, I, I understand what they're trying to say to that one kid, but to me. You're taking the responsibility away from the kids' parents, and you're and you're throwing it back onto these guys that are out on the football field. In the heat of the moment, things happen. Someone hits someone, you know, and so someone throws a punch back, and it and it's all over. No one's really hurt. 
it's all done and it's finished and then everyone gets on with the game and and majority of people will say it was a great game. Yes, they will talk about, oh, what about the the fight early on? But in the end, they still remember it as a great game, not so much the fight. Yeah. Well, shall we move move along? It's we've gotten we've gotten to the the third minute of the game. <laughs> uh, Queensland. Look, speaking about the first five minutes, Queensland got a penalty. I can't remember what it was for, but I don't think it was. For, I think it was just a scrum penalty. It was something pretty innocuous. Uh, Queensland got got a um, got a penalty pretty much right in front. So Mal Mal slots went over, and Queensland get away to an early two nil lead. Uh, yeah, the play continues to be pretty pretty intense. Um, first bit of open play comes with um, uh, Slippery Morris took an intercept off of, off a Lindner pass, and he runs. Um, he, he run, I thought he was going to get away. Um, he, he felt like he might have had had the edge on Dale Shearer, but uh, Shearer picks him up pretty quickly. But that gave the Blues uh, plenty of momentum. So they're up, up in Queensland quarter, um, and there's some really good ball work from Pierce and Roach. Um, and then a simple um, a simple dummy from folks opened Queensland up. He got a pass pass um, away to Gary Jack, who, who juggled it a little bit, but went over beside the posts for a, for a good try that came under you know after a bit of intense intense pressure there. So um, it goes to six six two to New South Wales after after ten minutes. Um, even from the kickoff, Gary Jack spilt spilt the spilt the kickoff, and it was one of his best best attributes, but also it used to um, uh, come undone a bit, and it did in this game too. It either felt like he's either brilliant under the under the ball, or or he, he was he would drop it. But he's such a great attacking player. It was um, you know you don't you don't want to you don't want to see that stuff go go away from his game. But um, um, yeah, he's he's so he's, he scored a great try, uh, and nothing came from that came from that spill in the fifteenth minutes. Um, um, still, I put a, a nice a nice um, kick through. For you, Brett, and um, it's just cleaned up by Chris Close, who couldn't get out of the couldn't get out of the dead ball line, and so you you, you cleaned up big big chopper nicely. Um, that little that little sequence of play, and then not long after that, you got smashed by Mal again. So I don't know. <laughs> he was after you. He was after you, wasn't he? Was he? Were you, you felt like you were marked, but that's just the way the game the game unfolded. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, they would have had a, had a game plan and, and, and um, you know, they they pick certain players that they want to mark and, and make sure that, that um, you know, that they don't, they don't give them too much room or allow them to do too much on the, on the field because they're, they're going to cause trouble for us. And, um, yeah, so that's that's what happens. I mean, you got to get used to that fact. We were the same. We did the same thing, obviously, with Wally and, um, as I mentioned before, um, Muppet, and um, you know, saying that we we realised we had to watch him as well, and, and yeah, uh, so, yeah guys are going to be marked, you know, and 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 guys are going to you're going to try. Look, unfortunately for me, I was never big enough to hurt too many guys, but you're going to try and hurt the guys in the tackle to see if you can get them off the field, because yeah. you don't want them there, you know. And yeah. that's what that's what it's all about. It's to me, I think that's where they've lost a bit. In, in the in the present game is they haven't realised that to me the game was rugby league's an intimidating game. You're out there to in, intimidate the guy opposite you. You do what you can to make him not want to run the football at you. 
Um, yeah. He's going to be worried when you're running towards him with the football or he's going to worry what you're going to do to him in the tackle. That's what you do. That's your job. That's what you want to do because then that makes it easier for yourself. It's an intimidating game and and that's the way it used to be and, and, and that's what guys used to do, do things to intimidate you and and I guess in a lot of ways you've got to, you've got to take it as a bit of a wrap if, if, if um, you get a lot of attention from the opposition because obviously they believe that you're and a very important part of the opposition team, and they need to get rid of you. Well, particularly when you're in, you've got the you've got the 13 best players or the 26 best players in the in the country. So if they're singling out you or Wally, or you go, well, that's you know they're, they're doing that for a reason. Uh, and there are other there are other guys around who can can hurt you, but you know, yeah, I guess if they're if they're singling you out, it means it means you, you're worrying them. Um, so you, so we're we're in the in the in the 20th minute. In the in the first half, and the Blues are on the attack. And I think the Blues owned the first the first twenty minutes of that first half, um, and we're kind of outplaying Queensland. I think um, throwing the ball around, um, attacking in Queensland quarter, and you're they're just um, throwing the ball around. Some really good good ball work and some good sequences. There's a really good sequence of playing it to the right with um, getting through through Kenny O'Connor. Um, then Sterling to Cleal on the charge. It looked like um, Noel was going to bust through for a try. He turns around and gets it back to Pierce to Morris, who gets it to Sterlo. And Sterlo did. So remember, this is that big overhead loopy pass he threw to Chris Mortimer um, and got him in the clear. And he stepped off his left and and, and scored. He didn't probably need to step because he, he, he that Queensland had been busted wide open. It was a great try on the back of some just really intense. Um, uh, ball work from both the forwards and, and, and the backs were playing it, you know, sending it wide, sending it down the right-hand side, dragging the Queensland defence over to the right and then throwing it out to the left. But that pass by Sterlo just was a, was a beauty. It's a bit, it's like just throwing a grenade. For a little, for a little bloke, it's, it's, um, yeah, it, was, it, was a, it was a great, it was a great pass. So it's, um, it's 12, it's 12 two, um, after, after 20 minutes and after a pretty intense, intense start. So it must've been, that's, that Sterling Kenny combination that must have been a a, a, a joy to, to play beside Sterling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing I've often been asked, you know, I said, do you guys did you sort of call different plays or whatever? I said, well, we didn't actually. We it was sort of just something that came natural to us. We obviously playing at Origin level, we 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 played a lot of football together at club level and to to make the Origin team and. Um, a lot of times the things were just we would just do what came natural and um, we just happened to look and see where either one of us was and uh, even from scrums Sterling might drift across the field and then he'll just seem to know when I'm starting to come back inside and he'll either offload the ball or, or throw a dummy and um, so we there was no calls there there was nothing mentioned and um, he, he used to say, like, there were times when it, it was the last tackle, especially when we were playing at Parramatta, he would certainly look to see where I was um, and put the high ball up to the side of the field I was on and, and I was the one that would run through and, and try and get up above everyone and take the high ball. And it was the same with Origin. He, he sort of looked to see what side I was on and thought, well, I'll kick it that way and we might be half a chance to come up with a try. And, yeah. Um, you know, that, that was just... One of those things, he, you know, like he's a great player, Sterling. I mean, it was so easy to, it was easy to play alongside of him, 
Um, and as I said, there wasn't really anything. There wasn't a lot of communication between us when we did things. It's just something that, I don't know, it was just a natural thing for us. It just happened. So we, we, we can't really explain why. Yeah. Because we never knew. We didn't know what we were going to do, so we thought, how the hell is the opposition going to know? <laughs> That's right. Just just chemistry. Just chemistry. Anyway, so, yeah, so New, New South Wales uh, got the jump 12-2 after 20 minutes. Then um, then things swung the other way. Queensland started to get get a bit more ball, get a bit of momentum. Um, putting on some putting on some good attack, and then they get a they get a penalty within kicking distance in the twenty fifth minute. And uh, this is Mal, this is uh, Mal's one hundredth origin point. So Queensland go to a twelve four lead. Mal's the first person to crack the hundred mark in in origin. Um, um, it's um, it's a funny in, in origin because he he missed he had some when he was off he was off Mal wasn't he? But you know he did he had a good his stats, were, his, his kicking stats were good, and they kept him. They kept him on. Um, so yes, twelve. It's twelve four in twenty fifth minute. While he's starting to put down these, these classic touch finders, and he's he, in that last twenty minutes, I think he put in three great, um, um, great kicks for touch, particularly down the old, the old grandstand side. Apparently, Joe Bielke Peterson was at the game too. I heard in the in the commentary. I never, never laid eyes. I heard. I heard that too. I, I tried not to find him in the crowd, and I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, if only we'd had a sniper there, that would have been good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so Queensland, mm. Queensland on the attack is in the thirtieth minute, and they get a they get a penalty close to the New South Wales line. It's an interesting little sequence of play. They get like Dave Dave Brown takes the tap, takes the penalty tap, gets it to Kinescu onto a running Jones. So you, I don't know whether that. There was a planned thing, the big man thing, or just something that just happened. But it soaked up a it soaked up a bit of um, uh, New South Wales defence down the down the down the middle. Um, then two two sets later, we've seen this many times. Kineski um quick play the ball to Murray out wide to Lewis, who just sends a, just a ripper of a little short ball onto um, a screaming. Uh, Gene Miles, who goes over yeah. the down touch beside the post, and that's just another. You know, we've seen it many, many times, particularly in, when they're playing for when they're playing club football. That just that combination of Lewis and Lewis and Miles uh, running, running wide. Um, yeah, so it's, um, it's all of a sudden it's all of a sudden it's twelve um, ten, just before half time. Um, as you said before, Brett, like you have those um, flare ups in the first five minutes. A bit of a, it's just a bit of a ritual, really, isn't it? Then um, there was a random uh, Steve Roach high high shot on, on Jones because I was getting, I think Jones was starting to <laughs> starting to annoy, annoy the you know, the young fellows starting to annoy the old blokes so that's trying to put him back in his place. Um, but you had a had a had a wild shot at, at Roach and Kevin Roberts really got laid into <laughs> laid into into blocker, <laughs> which is kind of funny because you go we all know you know he's. he's you know that whole oh yes sir no I won't be doing that again. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's um, that leading to second half got a bit sloppy. I think it's just been such a, a furious game. So there's a bit of, there's a bit of loose loose ball. Um, Molly did pull off a, a, a massive hit on 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 Cleal, which was um, good to see. And I was looking at Wayne Wayne Bennett looking on looking on just before half time, and I noticed I thought he looked a bit back then. Yeah, he had. He was so he had a full head of hair and he was very straight. He looked a bit like Steve Carell from the from um <laughs> from the, from the office. And I thought that's funny. Is this 
Uh, personalities, but yeah. So Wayne was there looking on um, um, as the as the as the second half um, came came to an end. Um, penalties were eight two at half time. Um, six Queensland had gotten six straight. So was that something you noticed, Brett? Was that something you've been? Oh shit! This is this is this sucks. What was that though? The penalties you got. Queensland got six in a row in the last six. In was that something you I noticed? I was going to say there was nothing unusual about that in Origin. They always but, said, but it wasn't wasn't Gomisol though. That's the thing. <laughs> well, that's the the surprising thing. It wasn't Barry Gomisol, but but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, six penalties in a row. I mean, geez, and it just shows you the quality of the team we had. You had six penalties in a row, and you still couldn't beat us. But I think it's um, the quality of the crowd. <laughs> but it was a great game to be involved in, you know, and 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 I think. I'm not sure, but I think in those the three games in '86, it was only something like four points difference in in each game. Six, six points like in the first, it, four uh, in the second, and two in the third. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we look at it as having been, you know, um, used used to winning, kind of, which is odd for us. We're used to winning, and then to lose three nil, it felt like we'd been beaten hundred nil, you know. But it's it's it, yeah, they'll. they'll even even in '85, the game we talked through with Tony Curry the, the, recently, they're just cracker cracker crackerjack games, and just they're close. And we just had to grow up a bit and go, "We're well, not going to win all of them." Which um, um, yeah, look, it, and, sometimes, sometimes it, it comes all. down to a bit of luck as well, you know. You, um, but, but as you say, like Queensland, we used to winning all those series up until '85, and then they got beaten two one. But mm-hmm. all of a sudden, now it's three nil, and I think everyone, a lot of Queenslanders probably thought that, well, that's it now. New South Wales will win yes. in the next so many years and then Queensland come back, back out in 1987. Yeah. 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 Um, this, early in the second half, it was great. I'd, I'd actually forgotten about this. It was only in the second or third minute. Um, Wally, Wally's Queensland on the attack and then um, uh, Linda had put Farah into touch from um, the first set. And um, put Queensland on the attack. Um, Wally puts up a bomb, and it wasn't it wasn't a perfect bomb by any stretch. But uh, as I mentioned before, Gary Gary Jack really super super attacks it as he as he as he can and, he, and does right on the twenty two, and it just fell right into Gino's arms. It was just it was just like um, it was just 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 the per- perfect for us. <laughs> but um, it all seemed too easy, and he slipped it to Linda, and he was over under the post right before the second half really started. And all of a sudden, it's um. It's uh, it's sixteen twelve, so things are looking things are looking good. Jones is starting to fire up again, making good breaks. Um, um, Gino's was really was really uh, running well because he'd been injured and we'd really missed um, Gene Miles. I think um, in the yeah. in the in the previous series, the Queensland the Queensland chant chant goes up and um, uh, in the twelfth only twelve minutes in the second half, uh, Wally puts in a massive. Fifty meter touch finder down the down the um down the uh, down the Hale Street side. I think Queensland was starting to look good, and I think we're as as Queenslanders we're going. Oh great, here we go. Um, you know the, the the good guys are going to come through again. But um, uh, you guys started to get it together again. Mick O'Connor makes a great um dash down the, the old grandstand side, but he lost it. He lost it in the tackle, and there's a little it's, it's a little. Sequence of play here that I really liked from Queensland. Nothing, nothing came of it, but um, uh, he lost it in a in a tackle. Um, 
And Roy Lewis, of course, is there. And he, so he cleans up and he plays it to Shearer, who um, quickly slips it off to Wally down the blind to, for a cheeky little um, blindside run. Didn't didn't come off, but I thought this is the things like Dale Shearer um, and and the Queenslanders. I used to like. They used to try try different things, and they were a bit risky. And sometimes they didn't come off, but it was it was part of that mentality to give to give things a go. And I think um, and and keep keep the keep the Blues guessing. Um, yeah, as I say, didn't come off, didn't come off that time. But it was a, you know, when the game's tight, but they're still willing to, to, to try things. Um, you, you may not, may or may not do it in, in, in club footy. Um, so, but yeah, it's still, it's six, still sixteen twelve. Um, but it feels like it's starting to, to, to open up a bit. It's the running seemed to be a bit more freer, though the defence is still, still pretty brutal. Um, Peter Sterling's like everywhere. He's having a he's having a great game. Um, even Wayne Pierce puts a kick through, and um, he's um, at one point. I didn't seen that before. Was that? Well, that <laughs> stopped that everyone. That? I think. I think. <laughs> I don't think. Well, it certainly wasn't called. That's for sure. But because um, <laughs> he was such a yeah, he said, you know, maybe you know, I'd say Queenslanders tried tried the odd thing. That was that was that was something out of the blue. It was good to see in the fifteenth minute out of the blue. Like the Queens the Blues have been putting on some sustained attack. Um and and um just as we were talking about Roy Simmons earlier, he just he just stole a try, just <clears throat> snuck down the snuck snuck in from dummy half and crashed over. And it all seemed pretty pretty simple. But um yeah, I guess I guess the great players do that. So um, all of a sudden, it's eighteen sixteen. Um, that's um, but that, I think that try did come on the back. Particularly, Cleal um, was doing had one of his best games. I thought he was really. I mean, he's always been a great runner, but I think I think he was um, he was carving us up a little bit. Um, so yeah, eight, 18, 18, 16. So how was the feeling at that point of the game for you guys, Brett? Do you remember? Yeah, look, you know, I, I guess it, uh, we well, we we won the series, so um, you know that that was that was a big thing. It, um, the the fact that it was three uh, nil was was always great. You know that was that was a that was a big thing. Um, we were the first the first state to ever do that. Yeah. Um, that's a great. It was a great achievement. It was always difficult. Queensland had had opportunities previously in the years previously, and um, couldn't couldn't get the well, what they needed. They always won the first one, lost the second one, and I guess that was a difference for us um, that we'd won the first one in Brisbane, and we were very confident in winning the second one, obviously in Sydney. Um, and then yeah, then we we finished up with the. Winning a three nil and and um, that was a great achievement. It was it, it, as much as you you know you might say you know players don't go out there to lose a game, but when 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 you're playing in a series and you like Origin and you've won the first two, if things don't start going well for you in game three, um, you don't. It doesn't affect you as much because you know well we've won the series. Yeah, and you you, you know you. I guess a lot of times you start to worry about your own your own health when it comes to to making tackles or anything. Because say, well, there's a strange jersey, there's an Australian jersey on at the end of this. I want to make sure that I've yeah, yeah, nice and healthy to wear that. 
I'm going to be fit, yeah, and healthy if I get to wear one, you know, and and you tend to probably think that way a little bit because you don't have to worry. You've won the series, so it was all good. But um, for us, yeah, we, we were able to get in front and from there we sort of realised that we are a chance to do this and, and, and really create history. We were the first state team to ever win a series 3-0. That's and, right, um, right. It, um... Yeah. You um you finished this off in this game. You, you scored what would be would be the last tries in the um in the twenty fifth twenty fifth minute. Dale Shearer um knocked on he knocked on pretty um in his you know in court and from the from the um from the scrum Sterling Pierce combined to put Farrah over in the corner and that's um and that's 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 pretty much it. It's twenty two twenty two sixteen um fifteen minutes to go. Uh, also, the, the replacements start coming on. Ian French comes on for Brown. Peter Jackson comes on. Um, yeah, Lamb Lamb would come on later for Morris and Gillespie for Tunks. But um, last 15 minutes, Queensland threw everything at at, at the Blues. But um, just wasn't some passes didn't stick. But um, you know, it was a well it was a well deserved victory, I think, for the Blues. So yeah, so you go one you go one nil up one nil up in the in the series and um, to set yourselves up for what would be the the whitewash, so, but once again, a good game could have gone, could have gone either way. But I do feel like I just didn't feel like it's um, Queensland had the opportunities that they usually have. I just didn't. I feel like we were outplayed, maybe. But um, yeah, you know, I get an argument from me on that. Yeah, I think we did uh-huh. outplay them. But um, yeah, it was as I said, it was one of those games where you know. For us, because we were in front, if we had been behind, it may have been a little bit different. You know, your, your mindset mm. might be, well, you know, we've won the series. Um, I just want to make sure I don't get hurt. And, you know, I, I don't want to miss out if I'm, if I'm, if I'm a chance to, to get an Australian jersey. I don't want to have to pull out because of injury. But the fact that we were in front, um, I think, sort of helped us a bit, spurred us on a bit more, and we realised, you know, we are We've got an opportunity to create history here. We 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 did that the year before in '85 by being the first New South Wales side to win a series. Um, we knew we could create history when we played at the cricket ground, and and here we were now in a situation thinking, well, we can create history again. We could be the first state team to ever win a series three 0 And I mean, Queensland went on and achieved that on a number of occasions, I think. But um, yeah, we were the first. First state yeah. to be able to win a series three 0 and I think that's what kept us going. So you obviously accomplished a lot, Brett, in in your career. But you, I get the sense you're you're very thoughtful about your career and also life off the footy field. Um, even at a relatively young age, you you, you seem to um, um, obviously value family life and and so on. So is that is that would that be a, a true a true statement. Yeah, look, I, I you know, I, I enjoyed playing rugby league, and and I was happy with what I was achieving in the game. Um, and and I felt very fortunate that I was able to get a lot of things done in rugby league when it, when it came to representative football. Um, I was able to, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I went away on two kangaroo tours. Um, I remember when I went away in 82, my goal was then to play a test match 
in Australia because then I would be classed as one of the best 13 or sorry, one of the best 15 players in the country. When I went away on the Kangaroo Tour, I regarded myself as one of the best 22 players in the country. So I wanted to be, the next level was to play at home. Um, I was able to achieve that, I think it was 1984, got selected on the bench um, for a test against Great Britain. But in 86, I was able to be in the starting side. So therefore, that was something else I was able to achieve that I wanted. I was now one of the best 13 Um I was able to play against every rugby league playing nation there was then, and there wasn't too many. There was only England, Great Britain, France, New Zealand, Australia, and we had, a, um, I think it was 1982, we had a, a test match, the first test between Australia and, and Papua New Guinea. Yeah. So, And I played in that. Um, so, yeah, when it came down to, to starting a family and, and the fact that, you know, we had to work, so now I had to be responsible enough to, to try and keep a job. So part of the reason was that I I couldn't, um, you know, keep playing representative football because I'm going to be having too much time off work and and that. And, and, and even in, in, in um, 1985, when we won the Origin Series, I'd come back from playing in England for Wigan mm. and I was asked, you know, whether... I would make the origin side. And I said, well, no chance I haven't been playing here, you know. But as it turned out, I did. And then I had to let the Australian Rugby League know that I don't want to – I didn't want to be available to represent Australia against New Zealand um, that year because I was out of, out of work. I didn't have a job. No, yeah. So I had to try and get myself a job. I couldn't afford to to be away. And, and so all those things – I had to weigh up, and and I thought, well, yeah, um, nineteen eighty, eighty. Well, I, I was looking to re- retire from rep football in nineteen eighty eight, and um, because we played Great Britain that year, and and I thought, well, I started my test career against Great Britain in eighty two. I would like to finish it, but as it turned out, um, I had a knee injury in in I think the third game of the season in eighty eight, and I was out for the year, so. Unfortunately for me, 1987 was the, the last representative game I played for New South Wales and Australia, and um, we played against New Zealand, got beaten. And that was the only test match I ever played in that we lost. So yep. um, that was unfortunate. But, um, yeah, I'd always planned that's what I was going to do because it, there wasn't anything else for me to achieve. It was, uh, it was just a case of... Whatever I did after that was just a repeat of what I did previously. So I didn't, you know, I didn't. I thought I don't have to prove anything else now. I've done everything. Um, and at the end of 1986, won the Golden Boot Award. So I thought, well, yeah, I've, I've reached the top. I've reached as far as you can go, and and I was happy with that. What Brett? What was the response from the ARL when you said in '85 that you couldn't tour? Uh, New Zealand because uh, because of, of you had to work. What 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 did yeah, they say? Well, they, they, I mean, I had to write a letter and everything. I had to do all this, you know. And I'm thinking, all the, I thought all I would have had to do was just say, look, I think Ken Arthurson was the um, CEO of the of the ARL at the time. And I, I thought all I had to do was make a phone call and say, look, this is the reason. But I had to write a letter and and make it all official. But um, I don't know whether they were real happy about it, but they were 
I guess they were pretty understanding. As, as I said, don't know, I'm out of a job. I've got no money coming in playing rugby league at the moment. Mm. We only used to get paid like twice a year. Um, so I need to, to make sure I can get a job. We actually um, just moved into a house. So, um, yeah, we had a lot of things to do and get sorted. And But fortunately, they they allowed me to miss that tour. Um, and if my memory serves me correctly, I think it was a pretty bad tour. There was a lot of uh, yeah. things going on between the players and, and, and that. And um, so it was probably... I was probably lucky that I did miss it. It wouldn't have been a good tour to be on. No, that was the infamous Terry Fernley dropping the four Queenslanders tour. Yes, yeah, 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 exactly. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I look back at that and I think, well, even at the time it happened, I thought, well, I'm glad I'm not there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to be there. So. Yeah, so 87 was your last um, uh, New South Wales uh, uh rap season and um uh and ha- how did that feel you i mean you're a pretty pretty young guy what would you have been 26 when you finished 26, your, yeah. when you finished your rep footy um was does, does that yeah it was uh, it was a bit tough early um one of the main reasons being was the fact that the guys that i played with and against were still playing at that level yeah, yeah. and to actually um Sit there and and uh, sit there and watch them play made it a little bit difficult, but um, you know I, I sort of got used to it in the end. I I thought well this is what you know I wanted to do and and um, this was my decision and, and my decision only and and so I was I was happy with the way things finished up. But as I said, it was just a little tough. Watching the games, you know, knowing that mm-hmm. I was out there, I used to play against these blacks or alongside these guys. And you what about with these? Yeah, with I was going to ask the same thing. What's what's <laughs> your involvement with those guys now? The same, the guys that you played with. Oh, look, you know, we, you, you you get to catch up with the guys every now and then, and um, you know, it was it, it was always good to play against them and. And as I was saying earlier, you know, the, when you first start playing against some of these guys, you're, you're trying to hurt them in tackles and everything, and then you go away on tours and or you play alongside them in rep games, and you get to know them and you become mates. And um, that was the that was the thing I enjoyed about it. You know, I used to say to people when I was a young kid, I would never have imagined that I would have football mates from Queensland. <laughs> you know, I thought I'd, you'd only have them from New South Wales. Yeah, right? but. You know, you get to know these guys, and 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 uh, yeah, it, it, that was a good part about the game, and and, and in particular about Origin. And um, these days, you still uh, you still watching footy? You still watching uh, rap footy? Oh, look, I, I don't mind watching Origin, although as I mentioned earlier, it's it's not as not the same as it used to be. But that's not the players' fault. That's the rules that that have yeah. introduced into the game, and. Well, um, hang on, just just before you leave that, that's one of my favourite subjects, Brett. What what are the rules that you have the problem with? Where where have we gone wrong with the um, rulemaking? Well, look, I, well, I I think you know, and I know they'll never bring it back in, but I just think the rules where you can't throw punches and that, I think that had to be, well, it couldn't, it won't ever be brought back in, but that should never have been taken out. Um, yeah, you know, I. 
from when I was playing, and I believe even today, there aren't guys that none of the guys go out there to want to start throwing punches. Mm. They don't go out there to wanting wanting to do it, you know. Um, and I know I mentioned the fact, you know, the players who talk about it, the forwards who talk about what's going to happen in the first scrum. But that's what happened in the first scrum. That's all it was. It was, a, it was a best, a, in a lot of ways, best. it was a bit theatrical. Yeah. Because they really all knew that that's what the people wanted. It's not, it's not really a lot different to the um, obligatory push and shove thing we do now, except you just can't throw a punch. It's still the, the theatre of getting on top, isn't it, really? That's, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's what it is. And, and the, but the thing that frustrates me is you've got guys, the smaller guys are doing things and, I remember seeing in one of the Origin games, Jonathan Thurston tackled a guy, got up and went in a second marker and put his arm, his hand around past the first marker and slapped the New South Wales guy yeah. on the face. <laughs> yes, I remember And he's that. done that. You could see he did it to try and get a reaction. Yep. And I watched it and I thought, you know, but we don't want to see that. You don't want that in the game. It's a, no. it's a body contact sport. He's yep. done it for a reason because he knew he was trying to get a reaction to get a penalty. But... You know, I, I just think this is where they've lost the plot a bit. They forget that it is a body contact sport. Now the speed at which they play it at, and they all want it to be played at a quick speed, but then they want to penalise a guy for hitting the opposition guy high when the guy with the ball slipped. Mm-hmm. And you can't blame the defender. He can't react quick enough to get out of yep. that way. And I've got... I understand, and I know, I know they should penalise him. They've got to penalise him. He hit him high. Don't put him on report. No. You don't need that. You understand why he did it. You can see that the bloke with the ball slipped over. But I, I just think, you know, that there's even with the head bend, I get frustrated with that. I agree with what Phil Gould said when it first got introduced. He said not every head knock is concussion. Mm. And I understand what they're trying to do, and I appreciate what they're trying to do, but they go overboard too much. And I remember seeing a game with Caelan Ponga was playing. He made a tackle. He was on the ground for a few seconds, got up. Two plays later, the referee has blown the whistle. Everyone's looked around and said, what's going on? He called Caelan Ponga over and said, mate, you've got to leave the field. Mm. Yeah because he got the report that he's struggling. And that Carlin Ponga was right what he said. He said, mate, I've been knocked out that many times. I know when I'm concussed. Mm. And I thought, that's exactly right. And I just think, as I said, I understand what they're trying to do and, and can appreciate what they're trying to do, but we're just going overboard with it too much. And the game's always been a body contact sport. When it's played at the speed at which they want it played at, I don't know whether anyone's ever asked the players whether they're happy with the speed of the game. Mm. But it seems to me that the media all want it to be that quick, but then they want to be critical of players for doing high shots and that when it was an accidental high shot. And then then they want to show replays frame by frame. And it's it's just we want everything. That's the problem. Um, You you want to slow things down. You know, um, know, some of the the tries that are getting disallowed now when you go, geez, Christ, you know, like... Yeah. it, it, I, know, I believe if you're going to look at it, you, you, you slow it down. Fine. If you can't make a decision after slowing it down, go back to the original speed and tell me what you'd do then. Yeah. And if you think it was a try, original speed, awarded as a try. If you don't think it wasn't, we'll say it wasn't a try. But I, I, 
it's a problem for referees. And, and I mean, you look at touch judges now, and they get paid for doing nothing. What do they do? They don't even have to put their flag up anymore. They just, you know, how many times have you seen a guy score and try in the corner and his foot was over the sideline when you see the replay and you see the referee, uh, sorry, the, the touch judge in the background. You can see him there and you're thinking, well, how did he not see that? But yeah. why would he put his flag up? He doesn't want to be proved to be wrong. It's safer no. for him to say, I don't know, go upstairs. And we'll find out for sure. Yeah. To find out for sure, you know. Yeah. It's just, mm. yeah, they, 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 to me, there's just too many rules in the game now. And it's, it's not it's not what it used to be and what it's always been. It's, it's, as I said, a body contact sport. People like to hear the, the, the clash of bodies, you know, when they're making tackles and that. And, and they don't have to be high tackles. And, and I, I, no. I think we, we penalise guys that tackle low. Because it has mm. got to be a fast play the ball. The guy makes a good low tackle, then he gets penalised because he's he's not getting up quick enough or letting go of the guy's legs. Mm. My belief is, if he makes a good low tackle, you should allow him to get off in in, in the amount of time it takes him. Shouldn't be penalised for that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That that classic low tackle is just out of the game now because it's 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 um it, it gives an advantage to the attacking team. So. It's um, yeah, yeah. I know that. I know they're looking at they. You know they want these spectacular tries, and and the wingers nowadays come up with some great try, really spectacular tries, diving for the corners and things like that. But I think we've also got to remember there's another part of the game, and that's defence. And we've we've got to while we we're paying credit to the 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 tries that have been scored, and we're rewarding them. I think we've got to reward defenders as well and, and look at that part of the game and say, you know what, we can't keep penalising guys when they tackle like that. Yeah. It seems to take them longer to get out because of what they've done, the way they've tackled. And, you know, we should be allowing that to happen and let them get off the mat. Don't penalise him because he's found it hard to get away from his legs, yeah. you know. And, and I, I just, that's, to me, that's, we, we've just, we've got that many different rules and you, you can't do this, you can't do that. And when we have a rule where if you, you kick the ball, if you found it, if you did a 40 20, at one stage you were allowed to take the tap. Then they made it. Yeah. You could have a, you could have a quick tap if you got down there quick enough, got the yeah. ball, tap the ball and run. Then they decided, well, that wasn't working because the opposition were coughing it then. They weren't be able to get back. So they decided to make it a scrum. And then, they, you know, right. oh, they're yeah. chopping and changing all the time. I, I would rather them, they want to come up with a rule, have a look at the rule, then go through it a million times and work out, can coaches get around this? Mm. Is there a loophole here? Because that's a coach's job, is to yeah, get around the rules. Yep, they'll find it, won't they? Yeah. Every, every, every change that seems to have been made to me over the last 20 years has been about trying to um, speed up the game and you know, yeah. speed up the, the, the pace at which the ball is carried forward, the, the speed up the play the ball. And I, I just think that we've gone backwards. Have a look at the game that we've just covered. I, I thought that was a fabulous game played at high tempo. And when you finish watching that game, did anyone say to themselves, geez, I wish that was a bit faster? 
You know, nobody, nobody yeah, thinks yeah. that. No. That was that was plenty no, exactly. fast, and and it was a physical, um, a combative game, and it's exactly how I want to see rugby league played. And, and I think it's a shame that that the uh, administrators don't go and look at a game like that and say, okay, now this is this is the gold standard. This is this is the way the game should be played. Now we know we need to uh, look after our players. We know we need to be mindful of uh, concussion, etc. But how do we? How can we set up the game to play it this way? And and I really do think I'm going to stop going off on this one every week. But it just drives me crazy. We have already hit the high watermark in rugby league, in my opinion, and we've gone backwards. And I, I think it's yeah. unnecessary. Mm. I think, as you say, that they want the game to be fast, and guys are trying to get up, play the ball fast. They're losing the ball. They're losing control of the football. Yeah. You aren't allowed to strip the ball anymore. So guys don't hold the ball with too much security because they know the odds are they'll get a penalty if they lose it. Yeah. So you, right. you put that in with trying to play the ball fast and make the game quicker. There's there's a lot more mistakes in the game now. Yeah. I just – the skill of the players of those games, the 80s games in particular we've been watching, I talk about – it's not just Greg Dowling, but I, I don't think I remember Greg Dowling dropping the ball ever, let alone that classic no. try he scored in the wet under the post. But yeah. the skill of everybody, but particularly forwards, because they everyone had to hold on to the ball. Um, yeah, sure. And and I think um, a, bi- a big difference w- was then that the scrums were more even, so there's a chance you'd get the ball back from a scrum occasionally if, if, you, had, if you had knocked it on. But it wasn't... Um, gave players more freedom to try things. So a lot of the time I think the drop ball came from trying things that you don't try now because it's all about ball security and set, and, and completing sets of six and all that, which is which is which is all great. But um that's why I talked about during that game when like Tony um uh Dale Shearer and Molly Lewis tried something a bit cheeky that was high risk. But yeah it was highly entertaining. But it's 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 not part of the formula now. Um, well, that's yeah. what I think. I, to me, they've, they've taken a lot of the skill out of certain positions. Well, you look at a hooker now. A hooker doesn't hook for the ball much. No. He sits no. at lock yeah. when they're feeding the scrum. Um, you, you look at the scrum, so you, watch, you watch some of the games from the 80s. They actually packed the scrum quicker, the forwards, in the 80s than they do now. Yeah. They all get around there and they stand around and have a bit of a chat and then decide to pack together. So, um, yeah, you know, the, this bit about making the game faster and that, I, I think it causes too many problems. The skill level, to me, I'm always copying it from mates saying, geez, you've been critical of these blokes. And I said, hang on a minute, these blokes train four or five times a week. Mm. They've got all day to train and practice things. So some of them can't even pass the ball properly. Some of them can't even catch the ball. They've got no idea of how to look for support and pass the ball. They just assume the player's going to be there. Mm. And I said, all this is missing. A lot of the basics seem to have gone because we're now professional footballers. Mm. So we don't need the basics. I said, well, you know, as I said, some of them can't even catch the ball, mm. pass the ball, and, and, and it's because of the way the game's gone. It's, it's just all these rules, you can't do this, you can't do that. You know, and I'm thinking, well, you know, you should be allowed to do things that you know that used to happen in the game. You let the big blokes build the hell out of each other. That's what they were there for. You know, they want to prove to each other they're tougher than each other, and 
and let the backs do their thing and show some skill. And I believe we've got a lot of players out there today that have got a lot more skill in them than we see because they're not allowed to produce it. Yeah, because for sure. the game has become so structured now that we don't see a lot of skill. It's all the same old stuff. You talk to people, they say, oh, it's the same old stuff. Every side does the same thing. Hit the ball up, hit the ball up, throw it behind two players, hit a blade here, hit the ball up, work it yeah. to tackle five, and then we'll put a kick and try and score. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. And I mean, I, I have a bit of a theory, and it's probably wrong, but when you look at over the years, the past five to ten years, how many coaches have been sacked, then you wonder why. When you look at the team they've had, um, I always remember, I think it was Mick Potter coached at the Tigers for a few years. I think he came in, he was assistant coach, ended up having to take over. They sacked the coach. The first two years he coached the Tigers, he, he brought in Mitchell Moses, he brought in Luke Brooks, brought in these young guys. They finished higher than they did the year before. The second year he was here, they finished higher again, but didn't make the eight. Then he was sacked. Mm-hmm. And I think that coaches are looking at people that run the football clubs now and go, they're not real smart. They don't know much about the game. So if I have a team, if I start having the blacks throw the ball around and play a bit fancy, more chances of making mistakes, which then we could lose more games, which then cost me my job. Yeah. So we need to be structured and so I don't lose a job, you know. I just... As I said, I think there's a lot more skilled players running around that we see. And yeah, that was something that I learned from Jack Gibson. Jack always said, you know, your biggest concern is over coaching players. If they've got natural ability, let them use the natural ability. If you're going to coach someone, you coach them on what they can't do properly, not <laughs> what they can do well. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt so, about it. We've we've got a game that is set up for formulaic uh, football now, and it's. Um, and it's a shame. And it, and it's probably one of the reasons why Jeff and I started this podcast to sort of glorify the, the great days of uh, of rugby league. Um, and it's not that the game's dead. I just think it could be better. It, you know, we, we, could, we could learn from the great stuff we've had in the past and, and make the game better now. Anyway, yeah, listen, um, we, we, we're going to need to knock it on the head because I've just realised how long we've kept you. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. But, yeah, yeah. No but, worries. But and my uh, are going crazy out the back. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, uh, Brett, really, really appreciate this. Yeah, it was, brilliant. Um, Thank you. Very kind of you and uh, fabulous to get to talk through um, uh, a classic game of uh, rugby league with you. So thank you very much. And um, if we can... Um, uh, possibly ask you again in the future. It'd be fabulous to uh, to have you back on the show. Not a problem. It'd be a pleasure. It was a pleasure talking to you this afternoon. Wow. It was great. Really enjoyed it. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you. It's great, great to hear stuff. behind the scenes stuff. We're not not a lot of we don't we don't get a lot of that. So yeah, from the from the legends. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks, right. Brett. Not a problem. Thanks, Take guys. Care. Well, that was uh, that was fabulous to have uh, Brett Kenny joining us. Um, for for a full episode and to run through the the game and um, getting those uh, insights from from inside the dressing room is uh, is very special. Absolutely, great great guy and um, yeah, it was um, yeah might might have him back on again if um, if we're lucky enough to. Yeah, I'm I'm toying with. Um, Maybe we need to put together one show where we just talk about what would we do with the game if we were running it 
and it'd be interesting to get a few guys, you know, from uh, from the the uh, amongst the players to talk about um, how the game can be. I don't know, re rechanneled, redirected somehow re- to yeah, yep. re- recapture some of these um, the the glory days of, uh, of rugby league because I think it's possible. You know, I think it's a shame that that I. You know, it's not that the game today is bad. It's not bad. It's great. I love it. Um, but I think, you know, as 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 you see when you when we speak to the likes of uh, of Brett, the players know that um, there was something before that we don't have now, and um, yeah, and it could be recaptured. Anyway, that's my thoughts. I've gone off on enough today. Probably don't need to do it again. So, uh, so shall we? Uh, we knock it on the head for the day and um, come back fit and strong for next time. Come back, yeah. Come back, uh, yeah. Get back on the training paddock and, uh, and uh, get, yeah, get, get get ready for the next next game. Okay. Well, thank you very much and goodbye. Good evening.